Hey fellow murder peeps, I'm Sarah. What? Why do you keep doing that every single episode now? Huh? And this is... <laughs> and I'm Anthony. <sighs> <laughs> and I love pushing your buttons. <laughs> Such as being married, I guess. At least to me, anyways. <sighs> <laughs> Welcome to Bonding Over Murder, the show where I tell Anthony true crime stories he's never heard of before. Hey. <laughs> Not doing that twice. We're moving on. Uh, got a case you want us to cover? Email us at bondingovermurder at gmail.com. Today we're going to be talking about Robert Garrow, a man in the States who raped women slash little girls and oh. killed people, then escaped into the bushes to hide from law enforcement. I'm sad now. I know, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> That's not going to be... The the little girls won't be the main focus. Okay. Uh, the really main focus is when he escapes. Ah. Yeah, that, that's the main focus. Slippery little fish he is. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure, that, that's, that's right. Just gonna giggle past the black hole, everyone. All right, let's get into it. Robert Garrow was born on March 4th, 1936 in a small farming village of Danamora, which is an hour and 23 minutes from Montreal and five hours and 16 minutes away from New York, New York. Sweet. So it's in the state of New York. Uh, his parents were French Canadians and he had five brothers and sisters. <laughs> his father was also named Robert Garrow. So two Robert Garrows. Great. Uh, and he worked as a minor. Robert Sr. was known to be an alcoholic and would abuse his children. Oh. I don't know how many episodes we've done where the serial killer has an abusive father or both parents. Like, how often? That's happened a lot. You know, I think there might be a pattern there. <laughs> <laughs> when you're raised in an abusive household, you tend to become abusive. Huh. Who would have thunk? Well, there you go, people. Don't abuse your children. <laughs> You'd think I wouldn't have to say that one out loud. <laughs> But I also love the fact that he's like another another guy like that, where it's just like he's an abusive asshole, but he also loves himself that much that he puts his name on his kids again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some people who have their father's name and their father's father's name and whatever. I'm not yeah. saying they're all self-centered assholes. They're not. But, you know, in this case, he clearly is. And we've, yeah. we've seen this before, too. Yeah, many, many, many times. So one of Garrow's brothers died young and another was given away at birth. We don't know what happened to that one. No. So that, that child's whereabouts is unknown. So if you're out there, this is, you know, that'd be crazy. Because hmm. this happened in the 60s. Okay. Or that was 36, he said. Yeah. So this happened in the 60s. In 70s, I guess. Okay. 60s and 70s. Uh, his mother, Margaret, was not much better, as one of his sisters stated, quote, she was a violent and unforgiving person who beat her children and displayed little compassion or understanding for any of them. Ah, uh, there you go. Monsters spawning monsters. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't to say that every child that is abused is going to be a serial killer. It's just, you know, that might be a catalyst for some that are it's already pattern. for It's it. a pattern anyways. Yes, Ever, exactly. It's, it's no secret that, you know, in, in, especially people with a history of sexual abuse, a lot of people end up, be, uh, or what it is, actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Sexual abusers most frequently have been sexually abused at some point. Yes, exactly. So, you know, not all sexual or, you know, it's it's not saying at all that sexually abused people become abusers. However, people that were abusers almost certainly were sexually abused at some point. 
Yeah, yeah. No. There's a distinction there, but uh, definitely a pattern. Yeah. Uh, the children are usually abused with anything that was handy. On one occasion, they used bricks. Ah. Yeah. So don't chuck bricks at your children. That, again, should go without saying. But yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like I'm going to be continually sad through this episode. It gets it gets interesting. I okay. was like, there's been um, some interesting ones that I wanted to talk to you about for a while now okay. for this one. So I'm glad that we're like finally getting to it. Sweet. Because sometimes, you know, I want to tell him these things because it's like interesting. But, you know, the premise is he doesn't know. <laughs> so then I have know. to wait. You know, so I'm glad that like he finally knows. And then sometimes it's like a horrible story. And then after we're done podcasting, be like, what the fuck was that? Why did you make just, me sit through that? I guess I'm just desensitized <laughs> to true crime information. I don't yeah. know. So I have officially put a limit on how dark this can go because I'm not sitting through an hour of that. Well, fun fact, this episode was recommended to me by my mother. You ah. know, she's the one that told me about this person. So thanks, mom. <laughs> Hello, Teresa. <laughs> Uh, we'll see if she's listening. She hasn't caught up on the episodes yet. Ah. Yeah. Um, Gero was the child that got abused the most by his parents, and it happened whenever he was home. Uh, when Gero was seven years old, he worked on a neighbor's on neighbor's farms in Moria or Moriah. I'm not Moria? really sure. M O R I A H. I'm not really sure. The, the, the dwarven caverns of Moria. I knew you, the second I pronounced it, I knew you were going to go there. That is not what to it is. To the bridge of Casadoom. Yeah, we're not in Lord. Of, we're not in Lord of the Rings. This is not. Either way, um, everything is Lord of the Rings. No, it's not. It is an hour and thirteen minutes away from Danamora. And again, sorry, I forgot to Google how to pronounce these words. I figured because it's in the U.S. that you know. It'd be, be similar. Easy. It'd be similar pronunciation to how it would be pronounced in Canada, but I might be wrong. I mean, you can't pronounce a lot of Canadian towns either. Are you kidding me? It's true. <laughs> There's one in Alberta called Beesker, and I totally thought it was pronounced Besker or. B- I got Bizinker. you one. Be- we got a town called Balf. <laughs> Balf. Or how about Balzac? <laughs> yeah, Bal- well, Balzac is easy to pronounce, though. Yeah, I guess we just have we have we have names. We are, we have fun names. They're names. Yes, Anyways. exactly. Uh, his mother took his pay, and he worked there until he became fifteen years old. Ah, lovely. Uh, Child so, labor. Yeah, uh, I'll get to what happened after fifteen in a minute. Uh, he would help out around the farm by tending to livestock and doing his very doing various chores. He was alone most of the time, which is suspected as the reason he started committing uh, bestiality to cows, horse, sheep, and dogs at the age of 10. Um, I mean, I have questions. <laughs> I don't know if I have answers. I, I mean, don't know. We have, to, we have to start with the obvious is, so a 10-year-old had a sex drive and it was targeted towards animals. Some people hit puberty early. Okay, so we'll move past There's some the... nine-year-olds that get their periods. Okay, so we'll move past the early bloomer. The next thing is, how do the cows tolerate this? <laughs> Again, I don't know if I have the answers because I, for one, have never been interested in bestiality of any kind. So forgive me if I don't know the logistics of how you fuck a cow. <laughs> <laughs> Him and the cow's eyes met from across the pasture. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Batting its long eyelashes at him. (laughs) The cow cannot give consent. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Moo twice for no. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sure the cow's like, what is this little thing doing? Like, I, they probably didn't even notice, to be honest. Yeah, it's like being humped by a horny squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, sweetie. Very good. So Garrow stated, quote, I had no friends and I never used to play... I didn't know children or anything. Of course, I had to fool around with calves, horses, cows, you know. Oh, as one does, <laughs> as naturally, one, naturally. As one does. <laughs> That's a good explanation. You know, I was alone all the time, so, you know, you Therefore. just have to fuck a cow. <laughs> Therefore, buggery. Okay. <laughs> uh, he continued to do bestiality for years without getting caught. Ah. Surprise, surprise, Garrow also never went out on dates and spent all his time at the farms he worked for. Um, I mean, why go out on dates? <laughs> why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Oh, God. Too far. <laughs> oh, that's an idiom I hope I never remember again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, just wow. There Curse are... you, Mom. I didn't want that idiom in my head. <laughs> yeah, there are no words. There are no words. Um, I mean, there's some words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this other part is uh, you're you're gonna enjoy this. So he also stated that he quote used used to put the milking machine on myself dot 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 you know masturbate myself with it. I mean, so he masturbated with the milking machine for the cows on top of having sex with the cows or I just raping really the cows. I really hope he cleaned it before like the cows were milked and that went into the general public. <laughs> this is the like 40s or 50s, so probably not. Oh, great. Because oh, he's God. born in 1936 <laughs> and this is like his adolescence, so. Oh, this milk tastes a little off. <laughs> oh, God. When did they start pasteurizing milk? I'm sure a long time ago. I'm sure pasteurizing milk was probably been around for quite a while. Yeah, I I hope it was pasteurized by this point because that would have caught it. When was this? Uh, when so he was he's born. He yeah, when he was a kid, and he's born in 1936. So he probably would have been mm, like might not have been 19 like 46, 1950, something like that. Hold on, I'll give it a goog. All right, so we we gave it a goog, and. Uh, Survey says back in 1886, Franz von Sarga, a German <laughs> agricultural chemist, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, uh, was the first person to suggest that milk sold to the public may be pasteurized or should be pasteurized. Yeah, but when did it become normal place in the U.S.? Well, I don't know. You decided we were going to start talking before I had found it. <laughs> well, either way, you guys can uh, Google it yourselves and let me know because, yeah, I'm curious. I hope to God it was pasteurized because it um, looks like it would have been. I mean, if they were already talking about pasteurizing in the 1800s, I'm sure it was pasteurized by the 1940s. Ah, uh, we'll see. So he continually got into physical fights with his father, where the police were called on several occasions. Kubins. When he was 15 years old, he was sent to a reform school after a particularly bad fight. Guerra was only there for a year and then decided to join the Air Force. Oh. While he was in the military, Garrow became the subject for severe bullying as he still wet his bed. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's no yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's not like you can control bedwetting, but I, man, yeah, being in the military in the 1940s or 50s, whenever this was, and well, wetting your bed. Well, he's 15 and he's born in 1936. Oh, yeah, yeah. 50s. So, yeah. Um, he also got into trouble for stealing money from an Air Force sergeant a year after he joined. Oh, boy. <laughs> Great. 
So, uh, classy gents, we got here. And humping the company cow. And it's milking machine. <laughs> and it's milking. And it's milking machine. <laughs> like double wrong. And the cow you rode in on. <laughs> oh god. I'm so sorry which for the cows and the horses and the sheep and the dogs. I like, don't know, like if a squirrel humps my ankle, I don't feel that violated. So Well, the I'm, sheep wonder- and the dog sure as hell. Yeah, okay, would. the sheep and the dog. The yeah. horse and the cow probably wouldn't <laughs> if he started just- at 10. <laughs> can you even can you even uh, yeah no 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 we're not asking logistical sorry, questions sorry sorry tmi i understand <laughs> i am gonna google this out of curiosity no do not do that you do not want your search browser looking like that <laughs> my search browser already has rapists and murderers and cults like what more can i add to it that like the government's gonna not be like you know oh this girl's normal they're, wow. They already think I'm fucked if they're watching my browsing history. <laughs> black helicopters are going to come. Do Do we have black helicopters? I don't know. <laughs> uh, he got a court-martial and was sentenced to six months in a Florida military prison. He managed to escape custody, but was caught a few days later. Wait, this was for pickpocketing the... Yeah, they were stealing the, the money. Yeah, <laughs> stealing the money from the sergeant. <laughs> So uh, after his escape attempt, he was sentenced. He was sentenced to a year at a military prison in Georgia, on top of the six oh. months. Uh, after he finished serving his time, Garrow was released and discharged from service. Of his two years being in the military, most of it was spent being in prison. Nice, <laughs> classy, good service. classy, classy gent. Yeah. Classy gent. Oh, he gets a lot less classy than that. <laughs> With the milking machine. Oh God. The milking <laughs> moving machine. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, Garrow then returned to New York and tried working for several uh, different jobs, but was unable to keep any of them. Okay. So in June of 1957, at the age of 21, he married a woman named Edith, who is from the town of Adirondack, which is an hour and a half away from Dannemora and four hours and 14 minutes away from New York, New York. Sweet. They had a son together. I think they also had a daughter, but I couldn't get concrete evidence on that. So they had children together. Either they way. had a son. They may or may not have had a daughter. Or two sons. I'm not sure. Uh, a few months after getting married, they both moved to Albany, which is an hour and 24 minutes from Adirondack. Right. Uh, Garrow still struggled to stay employed until he found work at a fast food restaurant. Oh, sweet. Being the classy gent he is, uh, it didn't last long because he was arrested for breaking and entering into said fast food restaurant. Oh, I thought he was going to be arrested for humping the milkshake machine. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has heavy equipment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that's a frosty. Oh, God. Why? Why? Why does that need to be a thing? What is this? You're the one who wanted to know precisely how a boy fucks a cow, so. <laughs> um, if you recall, it's the uh, milk m- milking machine that yes. I was curious about. <laughs> Or both. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Either way. So allegedly around this time, he also got into abusive relationship with a man who would beat him. But I couldn't, again, get concrete evidence. It's just I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. So his sexuality is completely fluid at this point. I think we established that with the cows. I mean, we haven't. The cows (laughs) might be. He might be purely bovine sexual. I'm not sure. but I'm pretty sure you're not hetero if you're willing to fuck a cow. Depends. How? (laughs) Were they all lady cows? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. I have no idea how it works. 
Yeah. Thank God we don't know if how it works. If you're into bestiality, I'm wondering if you're already just like all all things are go, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you are, uh, you are uh, living cool. Yeah. On a more serious note, though, I mean, like I don't, when you, yeah. when you're abused at a young age, it's not surprising to me that a lot of your wires can get crossed, and, and yeah, you, know, you can end up with a very distorted not only view on reality but a very distorted sexuality, right? Yeah. 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 It's true, but still. Yeah. Uh, in 1961, at 25 years old, he was also arrested for raping a teenage girl in Albany. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, he's kind of just all over the place. And a yeah. monster. So he knocked her boyfriend out with the, the butt end of his pellet gun. Uh, he tried to avoid arrest, and during a pursuit, police fired several shots at him and were able to catch him. With so, a bullet? I think they... Again, it was a pursuit, so... They must have incapacitated the vehicle he was in or something. But you said they fired several shots at him. Did they catch him with a bullet or? Again, not concrete evidence for me to give you info on that. Okay. So the police fired their guns. How do we get that? How do we get that they fired their guns, but not what actually happened or how he got caught? This is from the 60s. (laughs) I don't always have all of the information. Okay. Okay. Um... He pled guilty to first-degree rape and was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. He went to Clinton State Prison in Danamora, which is known for having the toughest inmates. Ah, lovely. I'm sure he'll be perfectly rehabilitated after his stay there. Uh, Of course. He'll come out a model citizen, definitely. No. (laughs) No, sorry. Uh, Also in 1961, police believe that he was connected to the murder of a teacher in Troy, which is 15 minutes from Albany, but the case is still open. All right. So we'll we'll never know, I guess. So he was let out on parole in 1968 to Syracuse, which is two hours and 18 minutes away from Albany. We're going all over New York State for this one. (laughs) I had to Google so many different like locations. Two different Dunder Mifflin branches already. (laughs) (laughs) Albany and And Syracuse. Right, Syracuse. I did think about that when I wrote this, but I just forgot for a second. Yeah, uh, because officials believed he was a model inmate and had been su- successfully rehabilitated is why he got out early. All right, Ed. Yeah, uh, that was their mistake. In 1972, he kidnapped two college students, Karen Lutz and Leonard Leonard Garner, uh, but was arrested and charged with unlawful... Hold on, I'm sorry, rewind. He was sentenced to 20 years. How long did he serve before he was let out? Seven. Seven years of his 20 It seconds. happened in 1961 and he got released in 1968. Oy. For good behavior. For good behavior. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there weren't any cows in that prison. Of course he was on good behavior. <laughs> I think it's just he's not too bad at manipulating people. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, in 1972, he kidnapped two college students by the name of Karen Lutz and Leonard Garner and uh, was arrested and charged with unlawful pris- imprisonment and drug violations. Oh, man. The charges were dropped since the students were hesitant to testify against him because drugs were found in their car. Oh, no. So Shit. he got off on that one. Shit. Um, so this one is the the sad girl one, but I mm. won't give you the details, just kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, on May 31st, 1973, he kidnapped and um, sexually assaulted two young girls aged 9 and 11, fr- uh, and he took them from an ice cream stand in Syracuse. Fucking monster. Yeah, yeah. He was arrested for this, but was released on bail. Why? 
Um, I don't understand how bail works. It's like, well, we've arrested you for a heinous, dangerous crime. We've proven you're, or we believe you're a danger to society, but you paid some money, so off you go. I don't know. Until the I don't trial. Know. I don't know. It just don't separates know. the rich monsters from the poor monsters. That's all it does. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> So on July 11th, 1973, the day before his court date, Garrow raped and killed a 16-year-old girl in Syracuse near a university. Oh, thank God we released him on bail. Jesus. Right? He was spotted near the university and his parole officer was notified. You think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no one knew the girl was missing at this point, so he wasn't taken in. Okay. So they, they you know, found out later that he did that. The next day, surprise, surprise, he never showed up for his trial, and the judge issued an arrest arrest warrant and charged him with sexual abuse, attempted rape, unlawful imprisonment, and uh, more stuff. No lie. So, Garrett was officially a fugitive and left the Syracuse area towards North Creek, Weavertown, which is two hours and 37 minutes away from Syracuse, which resides in the Adirondack County. Again, lots of different locations in this one. I tried my best to yeah, yeah. get the the you know the gist. Um, a little rapey roadmap. <laughs> rapey yeah. slash murdery roadmap. Slash cow fucking roadmap. I don't know if there was any cow fucking in this escapade. That's because we never found out about it. But you know, he pulled over the car and just stopped at a local farm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was in the forest most of the time. To be fair. Yeah, well, depends on where he is. We actually have cows in our forest, which is a little funny. We have cows in our forest? Yeah, in, in the Rocky Mountain House area, there's absolutely wild cows and wild horses walking around in the mountains. Suits them well. No, I know there's wild horses, but... There's wild I... cows, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, they got Weird. off local farms, and now they're starting populations in the like wild. Like they escaped or something? Yep, yeah, yeah, cows get out. Cows get off of farms and out of farms and stuff like that, and then they, they hmm. form little populations in the forest, and they're actually doing okay. Interesting. Yeah, the, the mountain terrain suits them. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. We, we learned something about cows. So now we got cows. Wild cows. <laughs> wild cows. <laughs> Rocky Mountain wild cows. <laughs> Shout out to Rocky Mountain House, I guess. <laughs> With your wild cows. <laughs> um. So when he got to the county, or when he got to Weaver uh, North Creek, he killed a couple named Danny Porter and Susan Petz, uh, who were camping in the area. No, fuck. The couple was reported missing shortly after, and six days later, one of the bodies was discovered with four stab wounds. As police searched for the other missing person, Garrow kept making his way through the county. Wow. Um, on July 29th, 1973... So he didn't have a re- He's just on a spree. He's like trying to get in as much as he can before he gets caught. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just like if he comes like across a, anyone, he'll rape slash murder. He's kind yeah. of just on. He's, yeah, he's like a yeah. nightmare figure, just on a rampage. Essentially, like yeah. it, it escalates rather quickly, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on July 29th, nineteen seventy three, uh, four teenagers were camping near the village of Speculator uh, by the old Route H, old Route Eight. Sorry. Spoiler alert: They were all fine. Everything works out great for them. No. Okay. Sorry. Uh, this is 38 minutes away from North Creek. Uh, Garrow saw their tent from the road and approached the campers, claiming that his Volkswagen hatchback was out of gas. When one of the campers named Phil Dombluski objected to this, uh, Garrow then pointed his rifle at the teenager, stating, quote, I've killed before and I will do it again if I have to. He then marched all of the campers into the woods. 
Garrow was ver- a very intimidating man, even without a rifle. He stood at five foot eleven inches, or one hundred and eighty centimeters, and was two hundred and ten pounds, or ninety five kilograms. Yeah, it's a decent sized guy. So, so he's a big dude, big yeah. dude. Yeah. So like, if a big dude like that's carrying a rifle and saying, "Get the fuck in the woods," you know. I don't know. I feel like at this point, nothing good's gonna happen if I go in those woods. It's true. But when you're when it's your true. brain is swamped with fear and panic, you know it, you're not thinking clearly. But no, I think at that point it's like, well, it's either die this way or die that way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Uh, so once they made it deep into the forest, he made them tie each other up to different trees. Garrow also made sure that the trees were not in eyesight of the others. Uh, wow. Yeah. The teenagers tried reasoning with Garrow, with Phil being the most vocal one of the group. After Phil was tied to the tree, Garrow stabbed him repeatedly with his hunting knife before plunging it deep into Phil's chest, killing him instantly. Wow. Some of the victims managed to escape and were able to reach a town and call for help. So they didn't tie them. They tied each other up, so they probably didn't tie each other up very tightly. I mean, I wouldn't. No, yeah, exactly. I do it like loose as fuck. There, I tied him good. He'll never get anywhere. Yeah, like I understand the like the fear factor making them do that. Like they're kind of doing their death march, but you can't trust a victim to securely tie up another victim. Hey, thank God he's an idiot. Let's you know whatever. Yeah, no, it's true. That's it's fine. True. You just go ahead and continue to be an idiot. I'm fine with you being stupid. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, why we're talking about it now, and he's not still out there stabbing people in his old age. Uh, no, he dead. Yeah, good. He did. Good, good. Uh, so when police got to the area, there was blood everywhere, and Garrow had left had left his knife. Like, he yeah. left, I don't know why he left his hunting knife they behind. Didn't have DNA testing at that time, so no, it didn't matter. You're going into the woods. You think he'd need his knife for like survival? Oh, who knows? Either way, um, by his the time Volkswagen probably wasn't out of gas. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, by the time police had arrived, Garrow had already left in. Uh, said Volkswagen. Yeah, exactly. So he yeah. the knife. They were able to get his fingerprints from the knife, and the victims who escaped were also able to positively identify Garrow through a mugshot. Oh, wow. Okay, well, never oh, mind. He was, he was arrested already. Yeah, they don't need DNA, I guess. It was kind of stupid that he left the knife. Yeah, exactly. A massive manhunt ensued and became the largest manhunt in New York history. Wow. Right? The manhunt included police, helicopters, bloodhounds, and state troopers. Around 175 people were involved in the search. Holy. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, after his escape, Garrow only used old dirt roads that were isolated and started making his way to the town of Wells, which is 15 minutes away from Speculator. Wow. So on July 31st, ni- July 31st 1973, a state police officer spotted Garrow's Volkswagen at night and started a hot pursuit. Garrow was plowing through trees and bushes at very high speeds to get away. I don't know how you plow through trees, but you plow through trees, I guess. I don't know. Volkswagen. Das Auto. (laughs) As he's screaming going through trees. (laughs) That's the commercial I want to (laughs) watch. And who, nobody's surprised that he eventually crashed into a creek and fled the scene into the woods. Within minutes of crashing, he successfully escaped into a heavy underbrush that the officer got tangled in. Oh, wow. Uh, Police traced the car back to him and managed to locate his wife and children in Albany. He had told them before escaping that he was going camping for a week. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 They're like, we don't care. We don't care where he's gone as long as he's not here. (laughs) Right. 
Uh, in the car, police also found a roadmap that had 26 red circles in various communities, and everywhere that was circled either had a murder or a disappearance. Wow. Yeah, yeah. he's just on a rampage. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to get as much in as he can before he gets caught. Yeah. Fuck. Wow, we really shouldn't let him out on bail. Like, or released him on good behavior. God. Like, those two things together. Oh, like, there, there's more that'll make you mad later. No, no, but let's just start right here, okay? Whatever. Released on good behavior. I mean, you can't have it both ways. I'm already saying, well, that rehabilitation's gonna work. So if I'm slandering going to prison, I can't have it both ways. I can't be slandering if they let him out of prison. But, you know, at the same time, fuck. You know, he got, he got, yeah. he got arrested on a charge. Why are you letting him out? What does the fact that he had money change? I why, don't know. Why is he now free? Because he had some money. I don't get it. Because <laughs> now look what happened. Yeah, I know. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, I, Jesus, I hope the money was worth it. Probably not. No. Uh, a command post was set up near the base of Mount Pleasant. I tried to Google where Mount Pleasant is. I could not. So I'm going to assume it's in the same county near Speculator. I'm a Google it. One sec. All right. It's in Missouri. Yeah. We're in New York. Well, it's in... No, wait. It's in Michigan. We're in New York. Well, whatever. Mount Pleasant is in Michigan. It doesn't make sense. We're in New York. Okay. So, we, I mean, Michigan's not too far from New York. Well, how far is it? Here's here's New York. And here's Michigan. I mean, that's a lot of space to travel on foot. Yeah, I suppose so. So the command post was set up and his family was brought in to help with the search. Oh, great. So Garrett was considered to be very skilled at survival, so searching for him in the forest proved to be very difficult. He would be able to survive in the Adirondacks without shooting animals and he could fish with little supplies. Wow. Garrett was also adept in knowing which berries and mushrooms were edible among utilizing other resources. So he survived the first week of the manhunt by breaking into hunting camps and stole their clothes and food. I mean, I have grudging respect for his survival skills, but that is it. It stops there. That's that's the it's the no. same as Mark Twitchell. I have mad respect for his uh, making a, like his ability to make costumes pretty right. awesome. Yeah, but he's but kind of useless. There. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going past that. Yeah, he's a useless fuck every other time, just like this dude is. This dude's not useless. He's just terrible, terrible and terrifying. Yeah, that's yeah. He's not useless. He he successfully did it more than once, and yeah. Mark Twitchell did not. <laughs> I didn't know why we talked about him. <laughs> Anyways, move well, on. Well, yeah. Um, he would travel parallel to the roads, which allowed him to evade police whose searches were deeper in the woods. Garrow kept making his way to the town of Speculator, still carrying his thirty caliber Winchester rifle. Hmm. Helicopters circled over the forest continually and played a recorded message from his wife and son asking him to come out. Police set up roadblocks in Hamilton County, eight minutes from Speculator, and local troopers carried shotgun, semi-automatic carbines, and bolt-action rifles. Oh, good. Uh, what's a carbine? A uh, short rifle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he was spotted a couple times, but Garrow always made it back to uh, back safely into the forest. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he's, he's used to, you know, being in the woods, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the bloodhounds would pick up his trail several times, but would lose it every time in the tangled bushes and dense forest. Garrow also went through streams and rivers to confuse the dogs so they couldn't find a scent, which, yeah, yeah, yeah makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it works. Uh, the police were having such a hard time finding him that they doubled their forces and widened the, the search almost to the border of Canada. 
I mean, very expensive. The dogs. It reminds me. The other day, I played hide and seek with our dog. Oh yeah. And he always finds me when by sniffing me out. (laughs) But I played hide and seek with him right after I showered. (laughs) He couldn't find me. It was amazing. It works. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Their smell, their sense of smell is amazing, and to a fault, I guess. Yeah, and my old dirty clothes were still on the on the floor, so he kept sniffing those, but he couldn't figure out where I was. (laughs) He looked right at me a couple times and didn't realize I was there. Yeah, so no, fair. It works. Yeah, it works, yeah. Uh, on August 6th, Garrow was spotted at a gas station in Speculator, and on August 7th, he visited his sister Agnes in Mineville, which is an hour and 47 minutes away from Speculator. Who doesn't watch the news? Um, <laughs> I believe she did, she did call police. I'm not 100%. Okay. Um, or, yeah, it says police were called, and when questioned, Agnes claimed that she didn't know where he planned to go after but did notice that his right hand was injured and bleeding so okay. he must have injured himself while he was in the forest probably uh cops surrounded the house and their area around it but garrow slipped into the forest again wow yeah this dude is just like the guy, you, know, you keep him away from the forest because yeah. he's like a wraith yeah he's like yeah. rambo of the forest yeah he's a little forest phantom jesus <laughs> on august 9th police followed his nephew to a thicket that garrow was hiding in um excuse me so Garrow's hiding in a thicket, which I'm assuming is... A... <laughs> I know what a thicket is. That's not the confusing part. So he didn't go that far into the forest. He just went into a thicket. Apparently. <laughs> his, his nephew's like, oh, yeah, my creepy uncle's over here. Come on, guys. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so police tried to use blood hands to drive him out, but Garrow ignored their demands. <laughs> God damn it, Jimmy. I told you not to bring the cops to my thicket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm also worried for the dogs. <laughs> Please keep them away from this guy. <laughs> oh, for the for the rapins, I yeah, guess. Keep the dogs back. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, as he tried to flee the area, Officer Hillary LeBlanc shot him and wounded his back legs and left hand. Despite being shot, he still resisted arrest, but was eventually taken in. Good. He survived the ordeal and was partially paralyzed. In the total, in total, the manhunt lasted eleven days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 11 days. Uh, After he got arrested, he requested Frank Armani to be his lawyer. Armani had represented him in previous minor cases, and he was also appointed another lawyer by the name of Francis Belge, which is an unfortunate last name. This is why I could never be a lawyer. You know what I mean? Like, because I know everyone has the right to legal representation. I just, could you imagine trying to do your job and legally representing this person? Because you wouldn't want him to win. I mean, if you're any, if you're any, you know, normal, decent human being, you wouldn't want him to win. So how do you represent someone like that? Yeah, there's, you're, you're not going to like them too much, especially Belge. Okay. You're not going to like them. There's a reason I'm bringing up the lawyers where I never do usually. Okay. There's a reason. It's a, it's actually a case study that law schools use. For, oh, cool. This is a case study, like this case. What is, not to do. I think it's more so like a... Um, like a, you know, what should have been done or, you know, what could have been done type thing. Okay, we're kind of splitting hairs here now. but Either way. Um, yeah. Whenever his lawyers asked him questions about anything important, Garrow claimed to have memory loss and never answered anything. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of I course. had amnesia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That thicket wiped my memory. Yeah, that thicket wiped my memory. But I tell you one thing. Someone else put my fingerprints on that knife. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else killed that person. You just admit it and go to the electric chair, yeah. you dumb fuck. I don't think New York has the death penalty. Oh, okay. Anyways. I, I don't know if they ever did, actually. 
Either way, uh, during the pretrial prep, Gara admitted to killing uh, Phil Dombluski and also admitted to abducting, raping, and murdering two women on separate occasions. Wow. One being uh, 16-year-old, uh, the 16-year-old that was near the university. Her name was Alicia Hawk. Mm-hmm. And then the 20-year-old Susan Petz, which we mentioned earlier, they were camping. And yeah, yeah. Uh, she was the one that the body that they couldn't find. Right. Yeah. Uh, he also told his attorneys where their bodies were located. Garrow described the areas in such detail that Belge was able to locate the remains and photographed the site. The lawyer? The lawyer. Not the cops. No, they did not tell the cops. Oh. Which I'll get into. I'll get into. Oh, that is not okay. Again, why this is a case study. Oh. Um, either way. Uh, so, yeah, he photographed the site without telling the police. Wow, yep. what a dick. So, Pets was found in an abandoned mine shaft, and Hawk was found in a cemetery nearby the university she disappeared from. Ugh. So, this is a trigger warning. Um, when Belge found one of the bodies, he moved her head back on top of her body to take better photos. Oh, my... So she was decapitated, and yeah, when and this piece of shit lawyer is just tampering with evidence now and yeah, contaminating to get a better photo, to get like, a better photo. Not advocating for these poor dead girls, not at all. He's just trying to get his client off. Like you yeah. gotta think about what you're doing for a second. You're gonna get this guy back. You're gonna try and get this guy back on the street. I'm yeah. gonna just come for you next. <laughs> like you never know. Yeah. Um, so neither lawyer told police of what they found, even though both women were classified as missing with police. Wow. So Pets' father even came to their office on several occasions to ask if they had any information on his daughter, but they still said nothing. Armani's daughter, the Frank Armani, yep. um, his daughter went to the same school as Pets did and were even classmates. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the lawyers tried to use the location of Pets' remains as leverage into getting a plea deal, but that failed since police had already found her remains on December of 1973. So they Just, found it without the yeah, lawyer's help. Well, good. Yeah. Uh, Garrow's trial began on June 10th, 1974. His defense tried to claim insanity when he killed uh, Phil Dombluski, but the jury disregarded it since Garrow methodically stabbed him. Which, fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think with insanity, you don't stab somebody multiple times and then plunge it into their heart, essentially. Like they're a vampire. You could, if you're insane. Sure, you can stab someone multiple times while you're insane. I guess. Either way, uh, his trial lasted for 15 days where the jury found him guilty of first-degree murder and he was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Okay. After the trial ended, there was public outrage directed at his defense team, and they were both subject to vandalism and death threats. Good. I'll send one myself when this podcast is over. Right? (laughs) Uh, Both of them insisted that they were bound to client confidentiality and were supported by many other lawyers in the industry. At some point, it got so bad that they had to relocate their families for safety. (laughs) Yeah. So Frank Armani actually wrote a book on on, uh, this, which I haven't read, but... um, you know, it's kind of his perspective and, you know, he has regrets and stuff. So. I can imagine. He he wasn't there when... Um, the other one was, was tampering yeah. with the sites. Yeah, he yeah. didn't go to the sites himself. That was Belge. Bel- that was Belge. Yeah. Belge, which is a girl's last name. Yeah. Reminds me of Fatty Bulger from uh, Lord of the Rings. And, and back we're back to, to Lord of the Rings. Back to Lord of the Rings. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I have nothing against Lord of the Rings, but we are not. We're talking about murder. Everything is Lord of the Rings. (laughs) No, it's not. No, 
Um, they also got investigated by grand jury and Belge was indicted since he was alone when he found the bodies, like I said. He also admitted to moving the remains to get a better picture. Belge was charged with failing to report a dead body and failing to provide it with a decent burial. The charge was later dropped by a judge who praised him for his commitment to his ethical duty as a lawyer. Wow. Yeah. I knew you wouldn't be happy with that no, one. No, I am not. No. And that's, I think, why it's a case study is because, you know, it's like, what is a lawyer supposed to do in that situation? Like, or, like. Yeah, no, I know. You have to legally represent someone who's done something illegal. But I, I don't know. I feel like lawyers themselves can't be permitted to also do illegal things. Like tamper with evidence and no, the tampering wasn't okay. But I'm talking about like if your client told you the location of the murders that he admitted to that he was getting charged with, like how does that work? I'm yeah. not, I'm not really sure. I, it's got yeah, exactly. Client pay, uh, confidentiality yeah. kind of thing, right? Like everyone has the right to legal representation. So I'm gonna ask. Af- I'm gonna yeah. have to ask my lawyer clients because I'm not actually sure. Yeah. I know it's it's a it's a naughty predicament. Yeah, you got, you got to give everyone the right to legal representation. But if your lawyer uh, starts disclosing what you've said, he can also use that for leverage, and you yeah, know that kind of gives definitely. him power over his client, and it creates this really weird power struggle dilemma again, where innocent people yeah. could have crooked lawyers using evidence against them, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just kind of comes with the territory of trying to be as fair as possible. You get you get stuck in some of these predicaments. Yeah. But definitely can't do anything illegal. If you find yourself moving bodies and tampering of evidence, stop yeah, and look Yeah, report what you're doing. the bodies. Yeah. Um so Garrow sued New York State for 10 million US dollars claiming that the doctors had been negligent with treating him when he got shot and paralyzed him. All right. So, in exchange for dropping the lawsuit, he was moved to Fishkill Facility, which is three hours away from Speculator and an hour and a half away from Albany. And it is a medium security prison known for housing senior and disabled inmates. Wow. Can you imagine? This guy, this monster of monsters, is in medium security. Oh, I'm not fucking done yet. Oh, great. I'm not fucking done yet. Um, turns out Garrow had been faking his paralysis and escaped Fishkill on September 8th, 1978. Oh, God. After his son smuggled him a handgun in a bucket of fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you would. They didn't even check to make sure he's actually paralyzed. They just took his word for it. <laughs> I mean, the dude was dedicated. He was in a wheelchair the entire time he was in jail. <sighs> All you do is stick a pin in his foot. If he goes, yeah, <laughs> then he's not paralyzed. Well, he successfully faked it. I don't know how. Uh, well, well done. Well done, everybody. <laughs> this one is yeah. bungled from beginning to end. The manhunt lasted for three days. Begin murder spree number two. No. Okay. When Garrett went back to the same thicket. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. He's back in the thicket again. <laughs> It's like the, <laughs> it's like that meme where Miss Banji just like melts into the hedge. <laughs> he just melts into the forest. <laughs> uh, Miss Banji, we love you. When he was found, he was shot. Um, he shot at the guards uh, who returned fire. Garrow was shot multiple times and was killed instantly. Hooray! <laughs> Yeah, but he was also buried at the same cemetery he left Alicia Hawk's body in. Oh. Yeah. I mean... So a little little weird. He's dead at this point. Uh, His son was eventually convicted to four years in prison for trying to help his father escape 
prison. Yeah. So he got sent to prison himself. I mean, you got to really think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I got him. I smuggled him a gun and that led to him running away and getting shot a whole bunch. So I couldn't find sources to back this up, but it says that this is Robert Garrow's son. But the name of the son in this article versus the other articles I was reading didn't match up. So I don't know 100% if it's true. Maybe he changed his name afterwards. Fair. That would change Um, my name. Yeah. So, but his last name is still Garrow. Oh. It's it's the first name that is different. Weird. Yeah. Uh, So allegedly his son um, was also charged with abuse and sodomizing an 83-year-old man after breaking into his apartment. And this was like recent like in the more recent than the wow. 70s that was in the 90s that yeah. this happened well this goes to what we're saying though like it's yeah. it's it's a heritage family tree of monsters right like so clearly yeah. this guy was probably abused as well we know his yeah. dad was abused sure as hell was yeah yeah yep. either way so like i said i couldn't confirm that but it did say that that it was robert garrow's son that did it yeah. It's just the name on that article was different than well, the name he on the other articles. His first name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Because uh, I believe his first name was Robert again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I think he was Robert Jr. This is like again. an exact copy of what happened when another next yeah. generation down. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so long story short, a dude decided to, decided to kill and rape a bunch of people then hide in the woods. And when he was caught, had some equally fucked up lawyers who found his victim's remains and thought it'd be a good idea to move the remains to make them picture ready. Also, some cows lost their virginity. Wow. Ahead of their time. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, we keep focusing on the cows, but like I said, it was horses, sheep, and dogs as well as cows. Yeah, it's, so, it's all awful. Yeah. 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 The only time any of that could be considered almost consent was the milking machine. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. Uh, the little, milking machine little, didn't give consent either. A little joke where there's really nothing funny going on. But I found it interesting because, you know, I don't really hear issues with the lawyers that much. But the lawyers, like, were equally as fucked up to they, some extent. Yeah, no, if you're doing they should have faced charges. I mean... If it, well, I mean, they did. But right, it's just, right. they were dropped. Yeah, whatever, man. I'm just, yeah. You can't touch a corpse to make it picture ready. You know, you can't. everything aside, the biggest thing that I'm just the most appalled about, like, the majority of his murders and the worst part of all of this was the bail. He got out on bail. It's not even the good behavior. He got out on bail after being, you know, arrested for a heinous, violent crime. And lo and behold, he just, he clearly knew he was going to get caught and just went on a rampage to try and get as much as he could get in. And he sure as hell did. And he sure as hell did. Sure as hell did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fuck, why did we let him out on bail? Why? But he's dead. Yay. Yay. Cue the children. Cue the children. Uh, So thanks for listening to our podcast. Our next episode will be out April 19th. Check out our our website, bondingovermurder.info, to find out where you can listen to us. (laughs) Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at bondingovermurderpodcasts for updates and new episode info. Until next time. Bye. Bye. And we find it kind of funny. We find it kind of sad. The dreams where we've lost precious are the best we've ever had. We find it hard to tell you. We find it hard to take. Now Smeagol swims in circles. It's a very, very mad world.